Welcome to the Springs in the Desert podcast. We're those friends that you can take with you wherever you are on the path of infertility. Welcome back to the Springs in the Desert podcast. I'm Jillian, your host, and I'm joined today by Anne. How are you doing? Doing great, Jillian. Awesome. Good to have you. We have a special guest today. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. We have Liz Kelly. It is a joy to be here with you today. How are you? Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm great. Great. I would love to tell our listeners a little bit about you, Liz. Uh, You are a retreat leader and an award-winning author of 10 books, which is incredible. I can't even, (laughs) it's hard for me to wrap my mind around. It's actually 12. (laughs) Oh, 12 now. Great. I hate to correct you, but that almost feels like if a woman said I had 10 children when she actually had 12. (laughs) So... Yeah. You labored, you labored through those, the process of writing. So yes, we want to give you those props. Yes. Thanks. I mean, 12, <laughs> that, that seems even more out of, out of my reach, but I, I, very apostolic, right. You know, yes, that's right. <laughs> that's incredible. And one of those books that we're going to talk about today is Jesus approaches what contemporary women can learn about healing, freedom, and joy from the women of the New Testament, which is a beautiful, beautiful title. And that book has won a number of awards. And so I'm really excited to dive into that. Kelly also received her certification as a spiritual director from the Cynical of Our Lady of Divine Providence School of Spirituality in association with the Franciscan University of Steubenville in 2015, which I think could be an entirely different podcast episode. So we might have to have you back on. Liz is also a co-host of the Logos podcast, Deep Down Things. And she lives with her husband, Vincent, who's an architect, also very intriguing to me, uh, in Minnesota. So Liz, it's just so good to have you here. But I would love if you would, I mean, there's so many, so many amazing things about you. The Lord gives you so many gifts. And so I would just love to hear a little bit more about you, your story, and what connection, if any, you have to Springs in the Desert. I met Kimberly. She was then Zenarella many, many, many years ago. She came and visited a course I was teaching at the University of St. Thomas called Woman and Man. And so naturally, the work of her dissertation was of great interest to that particular class. And we met at a Faculty for Life conference. I think that was the first time that we actually connected. And so then many years later, she got married and, you know, she got involved in Springs in the Desert and a number of other ministries you guys know well. And so how beautiful, you know, how beautiful. It's really been on my heart in an unusual way to pray for. My, my husband and I pray the rosary together every night. And one of the intentions that's just been on my heart is to pray for children who are waiting to be adopted and children who are in foster care. And I know a, a young couple who's going through the process of becoming foster parents with the option to then adopt the children. And it's just so incredible. It was not really a world that I knew very much about and sort of watching them go through it. it it's just been really moving and to hear them because they've, they've met a few children now and, you know, they're trying to find that what they want, which I think is incredible, is to adopt a family of children you know, three or four or five or, you know, so all the siblings would stay together. And my uncle and my aunt did that many years ago. They adopted an entire family of children, keeping all the siblings together and sort of remaking family in that way. It's just, it's always been very moving to me. And and it's an important part of Christian life. How often does the Lord say, remember the orphan, remember the widow? You know, I mean, he, he names them specifically. So yeah, so I think that the work that you're doing is just essential for 
women to understand some of the essence of their womanhood, even in and beyond having biological children, which I don't have. You know, I got married very late in life, so children weren't really ever going to be an option in the biological sense for us. And yet we're called to be fruitful. So how does that work? It's a really interesting question. Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate you sharing just the various people in your life that you've recognized their, you know, in their discernment process and as they're learning what the Lord desires for them, that we can journey with them too. You know, it might be a more silent role, it might be a more active role, but that's that's really beautiful and something that we talk a lot about at Springs in the Desert. And, you know, I think something, you know, just under that that story for many people are, are wounds, you know, different, you know, maybe disappointments or desires that they had that aren't coming to fruition. And there, you know, there are many people in our community and, and Anne, you know, perhaps can speak to this too a little bit, who also got married a little bit later in life, or, you know, didn't even sort of feel like they had a biological clock, so to speak, and then realized it and, you know, are now trying to heal, you know, from some of that that grief and those wounds. So I'm, you know, I'm really curious about the the subtitle of your book, Jesus Approaches, and how, you know, this this idea about learning about healing, freedom, and joy from women in the New Testament and and how, yeah, just first of all, how did this book kind of, you know, come about? And as you said, you know, it would, it's not right to say that you have 10 books if you have 12. You know, I wouldn't say you would have 10 children if you have 12, uh, because they are really fruit, they really are fruit of, of your work and your labor. And so I'm, yeah, I'm just curious, could you tell us a little bit more about how this book came about and where this idea came from before we kind of jump into a conversation about healing? Part of my training for spiritual direction school, between the first and the second year of classes and training, you do the exercises, the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Uh, For those of you who may not know, that is praying with a very disciplined, intense way through the life, death, uh, or life, passion, death, and resurrection of the Lord. So you're really placing yourself in a very disciplined way through the gospel the gospel kind of becomes your own story in that. And in that process, you know, some people go away and they do that within 30 days. They're praying for four to five hours a day. For mere mortals like me, they have what's called the 19th annotation where you can pray an hour and a half every day. And so that's what I did. But curiously, that ends up being about nine months, you know, gestational period where you are praying through the gospel in this way. And it just so happened that not long after I finished, I was able to take a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. Now, when I was praying through the exercises, I didn't anticipate this. I didn't expect this. It was like the women in the gospel were just talking to me, (laughs) like coming up and saying, hey. And I just had this sense that they wanted their stories better known, better expressed, not so that people would know them, but that people would know the Christ that they encountered and what he did as a result of that encounter, how they were changed, how they were healed, how they were freed, how they were brought into a new fullness of life and their identities were reclaimed in the Father. So then when I went to the Holy Land, I just had this very clear sense of like, 
I, I'm walking around, you know, in the Sea of Galilee. And I'm like, I've been here before. I feel like I've been here before. I just, you know, I've never been here before, but I felt like I had. And it just solidified for me the power of prayer and especially imaginative prayer, especially the prayer of the mass. Of course, we have been there before. <laughs> in prayer, we have been there before. In the Mass, we get to revisit the most sacred moment, most powerful moment on earth. You know, we get to go to Calvary. And so that was solidified for me in a way that it hadn't been throughout my adult life to that point. And so when I came back, I really started working on the chapter on Magdalene. She became kind of the anchoress for the book. I finished that chapter and I gave it to a good friend and I said, you know, is there anything here? Should I keep going? You know what? And and he said, absolutely, keep going. And so I really asked Magdalene. I said, Saint Mary Magdalene, fill my imagination with the rest of the women who should be in these pages. And I did the same thing with Love Like a Saint. You know, I Benedetta was my anchoress for that book, and I prayed to her. I said, who else should be in there? And it's just like she populated my imagination with the names and stories that needed to be told. Of course, there are many more that could be told, but that's how the book came together. It really grew out of a very intensive prayer experience that I was having and a way of scripture placing its claim on me in a a really powerful way that I hadn't experienced. You know, I want to give myself to the word. I I, I want to own the word, but more than that, I want to give myself to the word because it's living, it's active. It's one of the primary ways that the Lord has chosen to connect with his people. So that's kind of how the book came together. I love how that came about because at Springs in the Desert, we really have a focus on the spiritual life. You know, we really try to encourage the women and couples who are in our community to flee to the Father, you know, to go to Him. And that is often difficult when you're carrying a heavy cross. But when you go to Him, and, and even though it's hard when you're consistent, He brings fruit from that. And so I love that these books, but it, you know, in a particular way, Jesus approaches that. It came from this beautiful time of prayer, of consistent prayer with the Lord. And I want to dive a little deeper into this idea of healing, freedom, and joy. Hey friends, it is your podcast host, Jillian. Just popping into this episode to ask you to consider supporting our podcast with a financial gift. This episode is brought to you by staff, volunteers who reviewed the content, and a professional editor. We would be so grateful for your financial support to keep this podcast sounding great and reaching more listeners who need a friend on the path of infertility. Thank you for your support. You know, as you were writing this book, Liz, was there a particular wound or a particular kind of area that you see women needing healing from? that you were trying to speak into when you were writing the book? One of the things I was very keen to do was try to cover a very wide swath. So if you're single, if you're divorced, if you're sick, if you're a professional, if you're married, if you have kids, if you you don't, you know, I wanted to get everybody in there. And in the study that I do with Jesus Approaches, there's also the widow, you know, I I didn't include her as, as specifically as I might like to have. So I did, I corrected that in the study. So I was trying to grasp some of the common wounds in many of those stages, you know, for single women. I was single a long time, you know, a long time. 
And it can be very lonely. You know, it can be very lonely. So I wanted to speak to that. You know, where do we go with that? Or divorce or whatever it is, illness. You know, I have MS. I, I talk about discovering that I had MS and I could write about that even more just because I've had it all this time now and I've been traveling far more when I had MS than I ever did before. It's like, couldn't you have sent me on the plane when I felt really well and good and strong? <laughs> you have to send me when I'm just like, uh limping onto the plane. But, you know, that's kind of how, how the Lord does it. And it was interesting because that book was really a, a wonderful precursor to Love Like a Saint. And one of the things that I think connects the two, one of the main messages that I would like women to receive from both books is that the Father has given you the desires of your heart and he does desire to fulfill them. He will be very creative in how he does that and the way that he fulfills them will be more satisfying than you can possibly imagine if you will give those desires back to him you know i think of blessed benedetta her ardent desire was to become a missionary doctor illness robbed her of that capacity but <laughs> she still became a spiritual doctor to so many souls she was far more a healer than she would have ever been as a missionary doctor. So God's enormously creative in how he can bring about and fulfill the desires of our heart, particularly for fruitfulness in marriage or, or for, for mothering. You know, I think about how, you know, as women, I think one of our great gifts is creating environments where others can flourish. We're just naturally very good at creating life-giving environments where other people can flourish and become who they're meant to be, where they can grow. That's exactly what happens in pregnancy, of course. It's exactly what happens in biological motherhood. But it can happen in much broader ways as well. That same sense of, I have held this precious, vulnerable thing, and because of my holding, it can now grow and become what it's supposed to be, who it's supposed to be. But we have to give God bandwidth, you know, creativity to to let him do that the way he's going to do it to meet that desire i think it's very common that when our desires are not met in the way that we imagine they would be met and it's normal you get married you think you're going to have kids whatever i mean that's very natural there's nothing absolutely nothing aberrant about that at all but we can get very hooked on this is the only way that that desire can be fulfilled and brought to flourishing and that box is God. And that's a foolish thing to do because <laughs> just look at the universe. You know, <laughs> I mean, he can do anything. So that's a very long answer to say that. But I just want to encourage women that the desires of their heart were planted in them by the Father. He's deeply invested in those desires. He wants to see you flourishing in those desires. And, and if you can give him full reign, he will bring you in into flourishing and it will it will knock your socks off how satisfying and joyful and how much yourself you will feel like when you allow him to do that
Liz, I so appreciate everything that you just said, and it, you think it was a long answer. I think it was something that the women in this community for sure need to hear. I know I needed to hear it. It's so funny because you just said that God will knock your socks off. Right now, I am not wearing socks, which I think is like a message that God is saying, like, how can you expect me to knock your socks off metaphorically if you're not wearing them? How can you expect me to fulfill the desires of your heart if you run away from them? I spent so long asking, begging God for a baby. And if he was not going to give me a baby, then take away the desire. Just take it away completely. Don't let me feel it at all. And I know that there are so many in this community because they they write to us or you know, they talk with us uh, at retreats and share with us that they do the same thing. They pray, Lord, give this to me or take it away completely. Don't, don't let me desire it at all. So I love how you just laid all of that out because as hard as it, it might be to hear, especially for some in our community who are in a really tender season, this can be really hard to hear. But I think it's an important message for us if that particular desire is not being fulfilled in that particular way, let's try to resist the temptation to just run away from it or to just say, Lord, just remove it because we don't know what fruit is ready to spring forth from it that is going to be so beautiful and so nourishing to ourselves, to our marriage and, and to the whole world. So I so appreciate that you said that. And it's something that I think everyone in, in our community really needs to hear and try to take to heart. I think of a young woman and she, she called in, I was talking on a radio show and this was in my forties when I was still single. And she just had such a deep desire to marry. Oh man, I remember those years. I mean, it was hard to carry that. But at some point, something switched in me. You know, the Lord showed me that, you know, this was such a good desire and it was a gift that he had given me. And the fact that I had such longing to be known and to be loved in marriage was actually an indicator that I was really well ordered. I was properly ordered. Like I hadn't numbed that desire with booze or shopping or whatever. And so I was telling this one young woman, she's in so much pain. And I said, I know it sounds contrary. I know it's really hard, but give God thanks for that pain and that longing and that desire because he gave it to you and that you can still feel it and name it means that you are yourself. You are not running away. You are, are accepting yourself and yourself is the a great gift. It's terrific. You know, you were ordered for community. The fact that you're lonely is, is proper, you know, is proper to you as a human being. You know, the fact that you have this desire to marry, you're finding it hard in this fallen world to find a good Catholic guy. You know, there's nothing wrong with you. These are all good natural desires. And God's not up in heaven slapping his forehead saying, oh, sorry, sister, I didn't know that you were going to be born in a time where there were no good Catholic men. You know, I mean, he, this is not a problem for him. You know, this is not a surprise to him. You know, we were born for the time in which we have been born. And the more that we can embrace that and thank God, even for the desires that are unmet, I feel like it just, it just almost forces his hand 
to fulfill that desire <laughs> because we're willing. It's basically saying, I am thankful for how you made me. I am thankful that you made me. I am thankful that you have given me these desires that are ordered toward beautiful things, wonderful things, holy things. And I'm going to praise you for that. And I'm not going to numb that. You know, I'm not going to numb it. I'm not going to run away from it. I'm not going to deny it. I'm just going to give that desire back to you. One other thing I think can be very important because we're in the Eucharistic revival. If you don't mind, I would just add this one little note. Young woman comes to see me for spiritual direction. She's a very intense young person. And she feels that that intensity is pushing people away from her. And she wants to get rid of it. She wants to get rid of it. And she's filled with just self-hatred for this intensity that she has. Now, she also happens to be an artist, a very fine artist with real commissions worldwide. I mean, she's not, this isn't just some little hobby. And, you know, that kind of intensity is very helpful to her artistry. It gives her a kind of focus that not everybody has. We talk about is the Eucharist, that Jesus does not annihilate us in the Eucharist. When we receive the Blessed Sacrament, he transforms us. And so the invitation is to place this intensity on the pattern and say, just as you have transformed this bread into your life-saving body, transform my intensity, bring it to its proper place and its proper purpose. So once she starts doing that, you know, this intensity has kind of found its boundaries and, and, and she's sort of rested and settled and she's learning how to unleash that intensity, when to unleash it, when not to. So sometimes the things that we want to either run away from or to have ripped from us, instead, we want to place it on the pattern and allow the Lord to transform it just exactly as he does with the bread and the wine. So this desire that's not met can be an invitation to just radical transformation. And what fruit comes from the transformation of bread and wine? <laughs> All the fruit there is. It's an opportunity. That is incredibly profound. And I, <laughs> I have to go pray with that after this episode because... Yeah, how how many times, I'm just thinking of all the times in my life where I've seen a part of myself as flawed, broken, which I think a lot of people in this community can relate to when desires aren't being fulfilled. And I, I love this idea of thanking God for creating me good and just and beautiful. And that's why I'm, I'm sad, or that's why I'm lonely, because I'm meant for community, or I'm meant for, you know, fill in the blank, X, Y, or Z. And that is, I think that is such, just such good, good, good advice to just thank him. And, you know, Liz, I'm, I'm wondering if you might have, in our last few minutes here, a suggestion for the woman who maybe is feeling so broken that she doesn't feel like she can even go to God, that she doesn't even feel like he's listening at all. And so a thank you doesn't, it just, it feels too far or too impossible. You know, where, where might she start with her healing? What, what might be the first step she could take today? Well, when I have a problem, the first people that I call are my mom and my women's prayer group. I call my chick friends, right? That's the first person I go to, you know, and my, and my husband. But I think that 
one of the things that writing Love Like a Saint taught me is that the reason the church gives us saints and saints very particular, the saint of this, the saint of that, the saint of whatever, saint of autistic children, the saint of, you know, whatever, is because we need concrete living examples of those who have gone before us and struggled in very concrete ways with the same things that we have. A colleague of mine, not too long ago, beautiful, beautiful convert, beautiful woman, two days before she was to give birth, lost the baby. And she she taught a course then several years later on Mary. And she said it was Mary who taught her about losing a son. You know, it was Mary who taught her about losing the son. So if God the Father feels too far away or too foreboding or, you know, not soft enough place to land, A, that's probably an indicator that, you know, the Father wants to get to know you a little better. <laughs> but B, if it's just out of reach, go to the saints. Go to the Blessed Mother. Go to your patroness or your patron saint, whoever whoever that is. You know, I can't tell you how often, you know, with MS, I go to Benedetta and say, girl, I'm so tired. I don't know how I'm going to get through this weekend retreat or whatever. But, you know, she had a debilitating progressive illness. She gets it. She knows. So when, uh, so the, the saints can become our, can become incredible intercessors and support when the Father, Son, or Holy Ghost just feels too abstract or, or too maybe masculine, you know, even. So that's what I would encourage them to do. Find a patron saint who can really intercede for you and learn about her life, especially if you can find one who has done quite a bit of writing and you can learn more of her interiority through reading her work. We have hundreds. You could pick anybody. That is really helpful advice. I think our our listeners are really going to feel encouraged and supported by this conversation and all that you shared. And, you know, healing as we all know, is hard at work. It is, yeah, it doesn't typically happen overnight. It can, but but it typically doesn't look that way because the Lord has so much to teach us in, in that healing. And yeah, listeners, I just want to just echo what Liz has said, that you you are made to live life abundantly and that God has so much in store for you and he you are so precious to him and in his eyes and as liz's book uh suggests and states and really claims over our lives that jesus approaches you he is here he's waiting for you and and wants to wants to talk to you and wants to provide healing and and give you the desires of your heart. And we are praying for you right there uh, beside you. Liz, it has been so good to have you on the podcast. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, some future conversations with you. So thank you for being here with us. Anytime. Blessings on your ministry. It's so important. Thank you. Thank you. Listeners, uh, just know that God loves you. And so do we. We'll see you next time. God bless. Thank you so much for joining us for this Springs in the Desert podcast episode. We would be so grateful if you took a minute to rate and review us so that we can reach more listeners. 
Don't forget to check out our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram and go to our website, springsinthedesert.org, where you can sign up for our newsletter and community prayer list, read our blog, and register for virtual and in-person events. Most importantly, remember that God loves you so much and so do we.